Good morning and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagno alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins and producer Lance Glenn. I think we got to cue the James Blunt here. Goodbye, my lover. Lance Glenn, it is your last day on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm going to give you 15 to 20 seconds just to say whatever you want to say. You can talk about Rutgers. You can talk about getting your eyebrows waxed. You can talk about a two-piece suit at the New York Stock Exchange. What is it, Lance? Well, it's not just my last yours. day. With the, it's not just my last day with the podcast. I mean, it is, but it's also just my last day with twenty-four-seven sports. But it's been fun. It's been a fun three years. I've made a lot of good friends, a lot of good memories. Got to travel to Nashville plenty of times, which was always fun. And uh, we got the golf coop, which was a good time as well. And uh, yeah, I have. Nothing but good memories leaving, and I'm excited to see what you guys do with the podcast and what uh, ultimately ends up coming with 24-7 Sports. I'll move from a hard worker with the company to now one of its biggest fans. So uh, you'll see plenty of me still around on the chats. You will always be an oyster boy in our hearts. But uh, let's, uh, let's get to it, Drew. You brought it up yesterday. Here's some news. NCAA, they come out, the football subdivision oversight committee and this is something that a lot of people in college football if you've been to a player personnel symposium especially in nashville this is like the topic of conversation but yesterday they introduced legislation uh prohibiting during a psa prospective student athlete unofficial visit to campus that there are no longer photo shoots and this might not seem like a huge deal but in terms of the people inside those buildings from support staff to creatives to even the coaches themselves. I I would have to imagine there was bubbly being popped all over the place, coast to coast, because Andrew, this is, this has been one of the topics that has been one of the most, I would say, gosh, invested in terms of like, Hey, we got it. This, this is something that is stretching us so thin right in terms of the support staff what goes into a visit and yesterday guess what people at college football support staffs around the country they got a big win drew what's your what's your first reaction to this because it's funny hearing like the public side of it is like oh the ncaa here we go again the no fun police and then the people on the other side saying this is the best thing the ncaa has done in a long time well i'll read my favorite text i got when the news broke I used to pray for times like this. <laughs> um, right. I, I think to the outsider, everyone's like, all right, what what is this? Does this matter? Does this mean anything? Like, who cares? You said it, no fun police, but I think this is a big deal. I mean, the past two summers when we were in Nashville at the player personnel symposium, like you brought up, this was like the number one conversation driver. They have these breakout panels and everyone is complaining about photo shoots. I mean, from the top of the chain to the bottom of the chain uh, of the food chain, staffs don't like them. And they've gotten to the point where they have are, are ridiculous. I mean, people are renting out like hangers off campus, getting kids on private jets. Uh, we saw all the luxury cars on fields. I had a coach tell me I think it was like last year. They're like, we are going to rent rent a tank and just put it midfield. He's like, I don't know how we're going to do it, but that's that's going to be our one up in this whole charade of of photo shoots. Uh, Coop, my reaction to this is, and we were talking about it before we got on air. It's recruiting is becoming in so professionalized, right? When these kids come on campus and they could be underclassmen. I mean, I'm not talking about the official visits. I'm just talking like, hey, I'm on campus in, in the month of March. Like the number one conversation that is brought up or a, a talking point from the, the PSAs, prospective student athletes, is NIL. Hey, what can you do for me in the NIL department? And I think if if that is what it has become, then let's treat this like free agent vi- visits in the NFL. Like this is a professional setting now, right? You're not here to learn about what we can do for you academically. And I'm sure there are some kids that care about that, what the facilities are, where, where I slot in on the depth chart. But if, if the dollar sign is the number one driver for a lot of people, then let's treat it that way. And uh, with the photo shoots, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really, really time consuming. And Coop, you've been on the other side. I mean, I'm sure you've 
coordinated your fair share of extravaganzas when you were at Washington and, and Michigan. I mean, how much of a time waste really is it? It's a huge time waste. And that's the other part. It's hard to say that, right? Like I heard somebody say, well, college programs around the country, they're hiding behind the NCAA. They have been begging for this behind the scenes because not everybody is built the same in terms of how support staffs are put together. When we're at Oregon, we didn't have a director of on-campus recruiting, right? So who put together those visit itineraries? It was the player personnel department, right? And, and at the end of the day, that's ultimately taking away from the bottom line goal and the motivation of that department. So there are a lot of other departments around the country that are picking up the slack that have to invest time in this. And, you know, the other thing is, is where do you draw the line? You know, there are not a lot of programs out there that are willing to say, hey, there's a seven on seven group that is coming down from California when we're at Oregon. They're 13, 14 years old. And there's 20 to 30 of these players that, hey, they're here for the photo shoot. You don't know who the next guy is going to be. So it becomes a very much like a CYA cover your ass type of process. Now, here's the thing. It exhausts every level of your support staff. I talked earlier about the creatives, your photographers, your graphic designers, now your videographers, since that was something that uh, got put into play and was legalized over the last year or two. And not to mention your equipment managers, right? And the other thing is, Andrew, I can tell you this, I never lost any sleep about putting together a roster. I lost sleep about the stupid stuff, the stuff that you can't control, right? Seating charts, uh, photo, photo shoots, what a kid wants, what he doesn't. These are the little things that all, all of a sudden at the end of the day impact the visit. We're not saying, hey, get, a, get rid of those forever. We're saying, listen, you can't have this experience until you're on campus for an official visit. And I'm with you 110%. I think the visit process should be prioritized about substance, right? And really when you have these players on campus, especially during an unofficial visit, photo shoots sometimes can take up to two hours, right? And sometimes even longer. Um, and that takes away from, hey, you're only going to have a, a prospect on campus for four or five hours. That's taking up 60% of your time. I think it's something that really, at the end of the day, it's silly. And even though recruits in the way the world is today, I think for the large part are probably going to be bummed out about this. This is something that is good for them going forward. The other thing about this, you talk to any coach around the country, some of their favorite prospects, I guarantee you, even if they did not sign them, were the guys that came to campus that were offered a photo shoot and said, I'm good. You remember those guys forever because they, they're like, hey, man, you just did me such a solid. And you figure out a little bit about the kid and the personality because it's not about social media. It's not about the Instagram. It's not about Twitter. It's not about the likes and the follows, which I'm not holding that against anybody. That's the world that we live in. But, you know, if that's the priority at the end of the day, then you take that feedback and you got a pretty good idea of what type of player, what type of individual you're dealing with. So this is a huge win across college football. And the other thing is it allows the people that got hired to do specific roles to do their job, right? And not have to focus on all the silly stuff that is out there, you know, because we're eating out of the the, the palms of these kids' hands with, with everything in college football recruiting. You're just bending over backwards. And a lot of times you look up at the end of the day and you ask yourself, what the hell am I doing with my life? And a lot of that comes from these type of visits and it comes from the photo shoots and you just get exhausted and it happens and it happens and it happens and it's fatigued. It's honestly, it's the worst. So I'm glad this rule went in. Well, they needed some guidelines and you spoke on a panel at the player personnel symposium about burnout, right? Burnout with, with inside the industry this off season, how many college coaches did we see make the jump to the NFL, right? And these assistant coaches, you know, are involved in these photo shoots, right? Or they're coordinating photo shoots with the creatives, with the on-campus directors of recruiting. I mean, I think it's going to alleviate some of the year-round grind. Not not at the end-season stuff, but 
I mean, there are stretches when that calendar is open where there are programs doing it every single day. And I think that contributes to the burnout. Uh, Coop, you, you mentioned something on prospects that turn down the photo shoots. I believe Caden Proctor last year when he was committed to Iowa, and I know he's now at Alabama, he ended up flipping late. But I was told, I think it was by someone on staff there, that at, at one point he had shown up, maybe it was during his official visit, and he's like, yeah, I'm good on the photo shoot. Like, didn't even participate. All the other official visitors were. I think that said a, a lot about him. And then along those lines, I've heard this from a lot of personnel guys. I've heard it from coaches as well. With the transfer portal, if you bring in a transfer and they want to do a photo shoot, a lot of schools will just cross them off the list. Not not what we're looking for from a between the ears standpoint, right? You you got your one recruitment. This is a business tr transaction at this point. I mean, I get it. L listen, if it's to the point where it is like a Caleb Williams, I remember that whole deal when he went to USC and he was doing the photo shoot and all that type of stuff. Do what you got to do, right? There's a talent and tolerance type of balance here that you have to to work through. The other part of it is there has to be some type of declaration. You tell me you're in, fine. We'll do the photo shoot. Outside of that, you're on a visit. You got to go three or four other places. You don't get that luxury, right? So, Drew, I think you bring up a good point in terms of college football every day is becoming more and more transactional, more and more business-like in its approach. And somebody asked the other day, Cody Belair, a friend of mine, a friend of ours at On3, he, he brought up a good question. So now what do you do with that time? Right. What do you do with that time on an unofficial visit for two to three hours that you get back? And I think, you know, the way that we used to think about it at Washington is these NFL teams only get to bring in 30 players in the NFL draft process. I think it's important to get these guys in your building, put them on a whiteboard and start asking other questions. Right. OK, how, how is this guy going to process certain information? How is he going to react to tough questions? I mean, we talk more and more about the business transactional side of this. You want to get a good feel for the player, maybe even if he's not going to sign with you out of high school. But if you want to circle back on that player a year or two from now, if they're in the transfer portal, I think that's what colleges should do. And I think that relationship on colleges side is, you know what, on our end, we kind of got to protect ourselves. This is going to be be less of a happy go lucky. How do we impress you? And hey, it's going to be a two-way street in terms of, is this a good fit for us as well? Coop, one more, I think, rule that slid under the cracks or is now official. Uh, unlimited signing classes, essentially. Um, there are no counters. This is setting the stage for more of what Deion Sanders has done at Colorado. I mean, you now can essentially, it was trending this way, but it's official. I mean, you could bring in 85 new guys if you wanted to. Yeah, pretty um, crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, do you have anything to add there? I, like, again, transactional, business-like approach. I mean, that's that's where the game is now. And there are – I've talked to staffers at, at different programs. I'm not going to highlight the programs, but, man, I mean, they've already ran some of their, their freshmen off – off campus, right? Like, hey, we're a couple months into the season. You're not liking your role on the scout team. You're not ready to go. All right, that's fine. You know, you're out of here because we're going to just go recruit over you. Yeah, I think if anything, I mean, I, I don't know if it's even possible, but maybe you see a, a higher volume of players into the transfer portal because you see a higher turnover rate year in and year out, right? I mean, it, it just goes back to that bottom line. The NFL's 53-man roster College football is going to be the 85. That is going to be it at the end of the day. And then I think you're going to see less of like college coaches, a lot of head coaches, you get around them. The thing that really kind of keeps them up at night is balancing classes right now. I think in college football, that that frequency of turnover, they're not really worried about running two or three guys off. I think that's going to be the easy part of the process. So, and yeah, then, I mean, not, not much to add to that. It's just kind of been trending that way for a while. Yeah, but I think it needed to be highlighted. And then the other the other big one was they're shortening the transfer portal window. I sent out some texts on that just to like gauge if it was a big deal. And the vibe I got back was that's a good thing, shortening the window. 
again, goes back to kind of the burnout. I think it also, in maybe one way, could help with the tampering and the po- and the poaching, right? Because when you get into January, a lot of schools start at different times when that first class is, when that when that last ad drop day is. Um, so I think this might level out the playing field a little bit. I mean, if you are a fan of of the smaller schools uh, or the schools that start kind of earlier um, when it comes to that that spring semester. So I, I I didn't really read much into that rule change, but I know it was talked about. I think anybody on the collegiate personnel side is going to be ha- is going to be happy about the fact that there now seems to be a little bit more black and white in terms of one with the photo shoots, right? You brought that up. Then with the 85 and now with going from a 45 day transactional period to a 30 day period. How crazy is this? How crazy is this winter going to be? I think we've seen it the past few years, but I don't know. I just get the feeling that now that these rules are in place, like the transfer portal, that 30 day window is going to be wild. I think it's going to get up to a point and then the bubble is going to burst and then it's going to be what it is. You know what I'm saying? But I do think that there is going to be another influx of, I don't, I don't know how much, you know, I mean, how many names do we have in the portal last year? Right, right. Okay. Let me rephrase it. Maybe more schools are now prepared for it. I agree. I guess what I'm saying is at some point, it's just going to be what's expected. Right. Right. It'll so. be like it'll be like the early signing period. When that first happened, I think it was what 75% of the kids signed this past year, you know, five years down the line, it was up to 90%. Um, and we'll see what it looks like here early signing period 2023, because there's only what nine percent of the blue chippers uncommitted as it stands <laughs> three months out. Well, speaking of, you want to talk about some of those guys? Yeah, man. Look, I look at that transition. Great transition. Um, we got some news, by the way. I, I got to plug it. So it is Lance's last show. But the other news is, is starting next week, we will go from three times a week to two times a week. So let me repeat that. We have gone Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the past since Andrew, Lance, and I have been doing this show in January. We will now go to two times a week. So the Thursday episode will no longer be. The good news is I don't want to promise anything too far down the line, but I've said and hinted at this for a while. We're working on going to a video element as well. We are hoping that is in the near future. And by near future, I mean near, near future. So a couple changes. Obviously, producer Lance is out. He's off to the next phase of his life. We are very excited for him. The Oyster Boys will scale down from three times a week to two times a week. And we're excited about that. And then the other thing is, Hopefully you get to see our faces here soon, and hopefully we can live on the on the YouTube twenty four seven sports YouTube channel. This shows how uh, how out of the loop I am now that I'm leaving. Didn't even know that was coming. Wow, the things you miss when you say you're leaving. We don't want you taking the ideas to the New That's York true. Stock Exchange. That's true. Now we're completely. We honestly, I didn't even. But, uh, didn't even feel like I had to tell you. We don't have a producer anymore. There's no reason to loop you in. All right. So let's talk about, Drew, nine players that we're going to highlight here that are uncommitted, that are part of, uh, let's just call it the 9%, right? Uh, and some of the most intriguing prospects in the country that have yet to commit. And we'll go down one by one. And, Drew, I kind of want you to give your antidotes on the players. A lot of these guys you are super familiar with. A couple of them I was not until this morning. Well, let's start at the top. Let's start with LJ McCray, 96 rating, number 37 overall, number eight defensive lineman in the country. This guy just continues to see his stock kind of go through the roof. Drew, you got to see him in person this year. He's playing down at Daytona Beach in Mainland. Um, this guy's a stud, six foot six, 260 pounds, probably a little bit heavier than that. Had some question marks a little bit about the production last year. He has amped that up, what, through five games? How many sacks does he have? I mean, he's a seven. Did I get that right? Yeah. I, I don't know the uh, official tally. He. I wish we had, like, advanced 
analytics, like a PFF version for high schoolers, which will never happen. But hey, maybe in like 2050, that that could come. But I would imagine he probably leads the nation or at least the state of Florida in pressures. When I was at his game, Mainland versus Reigns, he was going up against Solomon Thomas, one of the blue chip tackles in the 2025 cycle. Um, and he had Solomon Thomas on skates early on. Um, look, the the idea with this list of nine players is like, all right, there's there's not a lot of lot of guys out there. Flip season is quickly approaching, but who are some of the uncommitted guys, right? That you're going to be hearing about a lot over the next month, few months, few weeks. And I think the list starts with LJ McCray. So like the idea is, yes, Aiden Breland is still out there. He's down to three schools. LJ McCray, on the other hand, could make a decision here relatively soon. I think he's tossed out October 14th as a commitment date. But even if he makes a commitment, I think a lot of schools aren't going to back off. And that's because he is a, a premium talent at a premium position. Is there a program here that you think like, I'm not even talking about fit. Is there a program where you would say, man, I'd like to see LJ McCray there? Like that, that, that uh, mutual partnership kind of gets me fired up. I, I don't, I, I think is final five. Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, and Miami. I mean, I'm not in the in the scoop uh, side, but when I talked to him after after the game a few weeks ago, he's like, I don't think I can go wrong with any one of these choices. I, I feel like I'm a fit. I Coop, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you can make a case for each one of these schools because I think LJ McCray could be molded into kind of whatever – whatever you want him to be. He could be a four eye. You could play him on the edge. Um, I think Miami and Jason Taylor, who is quickly becoming a, a topic of the podcast. Uh, that would excite me. I think Auburn, if you look like long-term pairing him uh, on that line with what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball, Florida state. I mean, Mike Norvell, you look at Patrick Payton, ACC Rookie of the Year last year. We know what Jared Verse has done at Florida. I mean, they need help up front. I think LJ McCray is a guy that could be in the rotation early on. And then at Georgia, it would just be more embarrassment of riches up front in the trenches. I don't know why. It just seems like a Florida State type of cat to me. Well, it's... It's funny you bring that up. First time I ever saw LJ McCray, two summers ago, Florida State's elite camp. Like Jaquan McCroy was there. Um, there were some big time dudes. And you know who my alpha dog was? Was LJ McCray. And Florida State had done the best job to date with him. I, I, I can't get a read of which way he's leaning. I don't, I don't think there's anything on the crystal ball yet. I don't think he can go wrong with any of his decisions or, or choices. Um, so he's one to just, just familiar, familiarize yourself with, because I think he's going to swing the pendulum for someone's recruiting class. All right, let's go to number two, Jordan Seaton from IMG Academy. If you are not familiar with him, this is uh, one of those guys that uh, is why we're introducing you to him right now. Number three, interior offensive alignment. I think that might change for us here soon in terms of this is a guy long-term that we could see as a tackle as well. Number 81 overall per the top 247. Drew, I mean, just in terms of the transformation we've seen physically with the body, mentally, you kind of had that quote in the story talking about the feedback from the IMG coaching staff. They loved what they have seen out of Jordan Seaton this year. I got to see him here in Nashville week one against Lipscomb Academy. Pound for pound, probably the best player on that field, and that was a field littered with a lot of talent. He's a guy, Drew, you know, we have talked about it. This tackle class, really outside of Brandon Baker, we're kind of looking for what's next, right? Josiah Thompson from South Carolina is another name that has come up. But to me, out of all these guys, Jordan Seaton's been the one guy that I think, as a group, we have kind of asterisked and said, okay, what do we do with this guy? Because he has kind of played out of his mind as a senior and physically he's got all the tools that you're looking for at the tackle spot. And we've seen his recruitment kind of blow up here as of late, but 
he's going to be one of the guys I imagine when we're on set here in December, whether it's in Nashville or Fort Lauderdale, we're probably going to be talking about because, you know, with the recruitment, I'm not sure a decision will be made yet, but this is going to be a lot of guys, a lot of teams, like you mentioned with LJ McCray, are still going to be after this dude, regardless of whether he commits to somewhere in the next month or two. Well, Coop, I mean, let's let's peel it back and share that as we've gone through kind of watching the midseason stuff for these seniors, like Seton is going to be a riser for us. And he's been talked about a little bit on the podcast. Go back to the spring coming out of IMG's inner squad scrimmage. You know, I thought right away, it's like, whoa, look at the physical transformation on this guy. You saw him. Uh, he's, he's played in some ESPN games. Like he has reworked his body. And I'm sure there's some some individuals out there scratching their heads like, why is he listed as an IOL? I mean, when he first came on on the scene, he was he was north of of 330. And he has has trimmed down um, talk with the IMG strength staff, a monster in the weight room. They they believe he has kind of, I don't know, turned it on from a physical standpoint and, and kind of bought in. They said hit 17.7 miles per hour in that game they played up in, in New Jersey. You know, what does that mean? I, I, we go back and forth about kind of the GPS data, but man, you're telling me a guy that's like 280 pounds at 17.7 miles per hour in pads. I think it was on a, a Jaden Bradford scramble like that. That's pretty impressive. So a lot to like and just in terms of, of the physical clay. I think he's one of the few guys that could be a true corner protector and then you start kind of asking around you know hey you know like I think schools want to be involved with Jordan Seton and I don't think anyone really has a read of like who's in this thing visited Colorado has talked up Alabama in the past Oklahoma's in there Oregon's in there to me what's fascinating about Jordan Seton if you go back a few years ago Alabama always got the top lineman at an IMG Academy. It felt like it was a layup, like it was going to happen. Evan Neal, um, JC Latham, like they just got those dudes. And then last year, Miami gets Francis Mauanoa, and now Jordan Seaton is that dude on the offensive line. And is Alabama going to get him? Like what's going to happen? I think that's a, a storyline to follow as we approach the early signing period. He's a nasty dude. Is there a um, is there a comp? I mean, not not in terms of like a clean player comp, but I I think to myself the guy that kind of comes to my mind a little bit is kind of like Tyler Booker. You know, I think when we when we evaluated Tyler Booker, who's now at Alabama, yeah, I forgot out of Tyler IMG, yeah. right? He was a guy that I believe we saw in graded as a tackle. We knew long term he probably probably fit best on the inside. That's where he is. And Tuscaloosa, I don't know, Drew. The other the other thing about Seton is you get around him physically. He is a dominating presence. I, I think wherever he goes next year, and it's going to be circumstantial, right? I mean, whether it's Alabama, that might be a little bit different in terms of that offensive line. But if he's out at Oregon or Colorado or Tennessee or any of these other true contenders. I think he can be in the mix. He's one of those rare kind of like physically, okay, this dude could step in to one of the best programs in the country and I think be a factor day one. Yeah, I I would I would echo that. And to me, I don't know. I get I get the vibe that like Colorado type of kid. Does that Maybe. does that does that make sense? Like we're slowly figuring out as the more more recruiting cycles we see from from Dion, like which kids kind of relate to him. And I, to mine off the top of my head, like they haven't had a big offensive line win, but I think Jordan Seaton for for that camp could kind of be the first one. I mean, you talk about exposure and plug and play and filling a need. I mean, he checks all those boxes. For him, it would make a lot of sense in my mind. You know, yeah. I, I don't I don't think he can go wrong, but in terms of him going to a school like Colorado, which seems to be on TV every week now, 
I think, think it'd be a good spot for him if he wants to play early. And I, that, I think I think the other school to bring up here, Florida, right? I think they lack tackle bodies. Just my thirty thousand feet view assessment. You know, I like Austin Barber, their left tackle. But I, I think behind him, what's kind of in the chamber. Now, Mike Williams, who they flipped from South Carolina, kid up in Maryland, really like what he has put on tape as a senior. Liked him at the Under Armour camp. Fletcher Westfall. I think they are doing better with tackle bodies. But Jordan Seaton would, would be a guy that would elevate the floor of that room. And I think with Florida, what they have invested in that offensive line room from a coaching standpoint, got to get these guys. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, you ready to talk about the darling? I don't Nye know. Car. <laughs> Nye Car is a darling. Have you darling finally watched him? 24-7 sports. I have. It's been it's been like a uh, concerted team effort between people tweeting at me about Nye Car telling me he's been a guy that's been overlooked throughout the evaluation process. We love Nikar. Nikar, we got it number 126 overall in a stacked receiver class. He's in the top 25. He was committed to Georgia and Kirby Smart for over a year. And we haven't really talked about this. He decommits, what, week, week and a half ago, right? And now it seems that he's down to Miami, Florida State. Those are the two programs that are being mentioned the most for Nikar. He was at Auburn over the weekend. Auburn as well. This is one of those guys that might not get the attention of one of the top prospects in the country. But this is a low-key, sneaky recruitment that if your team is involved and happens to add a nigh car, that's not just something to gloss over and say, oh, we got a top 247, top 247 player here. This dude is legit, and I think every week he has continued to turn heads and kind of prove that he's one of the guys. He's one of the guys in this class that you kind of you got to highlight and say, all right, whoever's getting eye car is getting a player. Who, who was who said we overlooked him or weren't weren't giving him love? Just one guy on Twitter. I mean, this receiver class we've we've discussed it in the past, and you start stacking them up. And you have verified athletic markers and and whatnot. I mean, it's easy to get to where you are with Nikar. With that being said, he's the one where you turn on the tape, and it's like I don't really care what what the profile is, like what everything else is saying, because he just makes plays. And and Cooper, to me, what 
what stands out about Nikar. I think he can win from the inside. I think he can win from the outside. I think he's a dynamic route runner, creates separation. I think he has excellent hands. He can make wow grabs look routine. Like my favorite clip of him from this senior season so far is they run like a tunnel screen to him. It's a low throw and he just plucks it with one hand and then races 30 yards into the end zone. Um, I think it's a loss for Georgia that he decommitted. Like that's a sting. There's a sting factor there, right? I mean, and where does he end up? Like Auburn, they need need an influx of talent at that receiver position. I think when you look at Miami, Florida State, you know what they have done on offense this year. Both those schools would love to have Jeremiah Smith, but I think you could plug Nikar in, and that's a that's that's more than just like a consolation prize. Like he's going to eat in both of those offensive systems. I like what you talked about in terms of him kind of reminding you of Jordan Addison a little bit, just in terms of versatility. I think as a guy, depending on the scheme, you can play him inside, play him outside. Contributes in the return game as well. Here's the thing about Nikar. We don't have we don't have anything on him. The only thing we have on him is a 5'10 high jump from his freshman year, which is really good for a freshman. Outside oh. of that, the tape is uh the tape pops. For, and the other thing that has us feeling bullish is I think real analytics, which is one of these like GPS overlay systems. They they posted, I think it was last week, you know, 10 fastest prospects in the class of 2024. And with the GPS miles per hour stuff, there is no real industry standard right now. But I thought what was interesting is Nikar was in the top 10. And I don't have this tweet in front of me. But the other like high profile recruits that were in the top 10 are all guys with like verified track data, guys that are running at states. Um, so just makes you feel a little bit better. Okay, this guy can move. Your eyes aren't lying to you when you when you watch the film. Last thing on him, right? It's not like you turn on the tape and you're like, I, I'm I'm concerned about the play speed. No. Like there's no there's no questions there. So it is good, even if it's we're grasping a little bit on the real analytics type of stuff. It's like you said, by comparison, it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable that he is named with that group. So Drew, another guy from the state of Georgia, Cam Michael, four-star, number one, 84 overall, number 14 athlete in the country from Statesboro, Georgia. Shout out to Statesboro, Georgia. A little bit all over the place with the top schools, right? We got Colorado, Georgia, Kentucky. South Carolina's in there, Tennessee and Texas A&M. He yeah. is I think taking, he also he also visited Florida like a few weeks ago. Taking advantage of that new rule, right? You can take as many OVs as you want. Um when we say athlete here, we mean it. I mean true three-phase guy does a little bit of everything offensively. Drew, I know you kind of like him in terms of the long-term projection more on the defensive side of the ball, but looks like he's leaning towards playing offense. What what is it about this kid that you think is intriguing here i mean i i know the answer to that question but he's one of those kind of sneaky guys the more you watch him the more more you like him yeah well why do i like him on defense over six foot fastest guy at the national combine this past winter i think he was like four five nine on a slow track he's he's got the speed figures when it comes to the actual track as well and then the short area quickness i think that consistently shows up on his tape and he is he has spent some time as like a running back and a wide receiver but early on in his prep career it was solely as a like run first quarterback and his ability to like get out of trouble in the backfield I mean when the when the pr protection breaks down I, I think is impressive so that's why I see him more as a as a DB but I do get the get the receiver stuff and We'll see. I, I, another one where it's just like wide open. And I would imagine Prime in Colorado are telling him, hey, you can play both ways here. You know, we did it with with Travis Hunter. I think that's like an easy, easy type of pitch. Um, I'm going to assume you like him on offense. We're always on the opposite sides here. 
he would be a uh, TBD to be determined for me. I haven't, I haven't made up my mind. The funny thing is, is I see it in your writing now because we've had this conversation so much. Like you can have the conversation about, hey, what side of the ball is he going to play? And I always found it fascinating when I worked on the personnel side and the offense and defensive coaches would be at each other's throats. Well, hey, we want him offensively. Hey, we want him defensively. I get that. The thing is, is don't forget the goal of just getting this guy in the building. You know, and that a lot of the times that's what it is. Like, hey, put your swords away. We got to tell this guy whatever he wants to hear, because for us, it's more important that we get this guy in the building. If he wants to play offense, if we think he's that dynamic of a guy, then let him play what he wants to play. And if it doesn't work out, then we need to have the tough conversation. But that's one of the rare cases where I'm like, kick the can down the road, right? Just get the guy in the building and figure it out. Well, I think the other thing too is like special teams ace would be in the write-up on him. And I don't know, look at a school like Florida. I mean, they're having a, a ton of miscues in that third element of the game. Like don't overlook someone's ability to contribute there, whether that be as a gunner, whether that be as a return man, like you need those individuals. All right, Drew, 45 minutes into the show. We got five more guys we got to talk about. So I'm going to name them. And then why don't we just kind of jump around and kind of, you know, one to two line in on a couple of these guys. Daniel Hill, another guy that we've talked about on the back end of the top 247 from Meridian, Mississippi. Have either of you driven through Meridian, Mississippi? No, but I did drive through Statesboro when we were talking about Cam Michael. There Georgia, you go. Georgia Southern just set an attendance record last weekend. Fun fact. Wait, right? What's her what's her record this year? I don't know. Do we know? I, I, they're doing good. And and if you bet on them, you can uh you can make some cash. Lance, I know you don't work here anymore, but if stats and info can Get that, that Georgia great. Georgia Southern is four and one. They just beat go. Coastal Carolina thirty eight to twenty eight. With the only loss to Wisconsin, where they led at halftime. Yeah, they lost thirty five to fourteen to the Badgers. Clay Helton, man, got it going over there. The reason I bring up Meridian, one of the best Chick Fil A exits, I think that has ever existed. No, listen, I got to drive from New Orleans to Birmingham. Meridian was a stop. Just giving it some love here. All right, Daniel Hill. This is a guy, Steve Wolfong, our director of recruiting, loves some Daniel Hill. We try to figure it out. Kind of the same conversation that Cam Michael. Is he a running back? Is he a linebacker? Drew, I might be the only one that thinks that, that this guy is neither. I think he's kind of an H-back. You know, he's 220 pounds. It's kind of like the Elijah Lofton conversation from Bishop Gorman that we're having the other day that's going to Miami. I think you can get creative with this guy. The, the comp for me has long been – Connor Hayward. And I think this guy is a souped up version of Connor Hayward, who's now with Pittsburgh Steelers and played at Michigan State. But I love this guy. I think if you have the right play caller in place, whether he's going to South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, wherever he goes, I think this is a guy that can be a super, super versatile piece. You can use him short, short yardage, goal line situations as a running back. But he's a really good receiver as well out of the backfield. I mean, they split him out a lot. I'm a huge fan of this kid. I like that comp. Do you think you could use him in a similar role to like a Jaheim Bell? Like put him in the backfield in the slot. Is that what you're kind of envisioning here? Yeah, I would say I, I see him more as kind of like a move guy than I do as a guy that's going to get 10 plus touches as a running back. Does that make yeah. sense? Like I, I think he can bang in line. I think you can do a lot of different things with him. Uh, but I don't hate him as a running back in a committee approach, right? Short yardage guy. Like, I think there's a, a role for him at Alabama if he were to pick Alabama. Correct. What I'm saying is I think you're almost kind of pigeonholing his skill set if you just call him a running back. Okay. If that makes sense. I mean, he was on my freaks list. I think pound for pound, one of the top athletes in the cycle, Mississippi 6A champ in the in both hurdle events, told me he like deadlifts 700 pounds or, or something crazy like that. Playing quarterback for his high school, um, you know, so maybe you could use him on a little little trick play if you wanted to. Uh, I, I I hope he's in the Alabama Mississippi game. I think we're going to get that exposure point. 
when we get into uh, go <laughs> what I was about to say. Hattiesburg better be ready for us, baby. It's been two years since it's been in Hattiesburg. It was a mobile last year, going down to Hattiesburg this year. South, Carol that. South Carolina is a school that, you know, interests me with him. You think about their their protection, you know, you get a guy like that, can help chip. All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say on this kid, Solomon Williams, three-star, number twenty-seven edge in the country, super productive out of Tampa, Florida. Thirty-two tackles for loss, fifteen and a half sacks as a junior in two thousand twenty-two. Drew, Oregon, A and M, Clemson, rounding out his top five right now. What do, what do you think about this cat when you turn on the tape? I like him. He's growing on me a lot, and I've watched. Two of his games from this senior season. One of them, he was matched up with Joseph Ionetta, Alabama offensive line commit. I think I put this in our our little scouting chat. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Dallas Turner. I think just with the way he's built, like Dallas Turner, Solomon has a basketball background. Uh, there's some there's some clips out there from a few years ago where he's running the open floor and and punching. Um, you know, tweener measurables. You could throw that kind of term out there. I mean, he's he's probably only six two, six three. Looks to have long arms. I I think his ability to bend around the edge is notable. We'll see. You know where he slots in this in this rankings update. Um, college feedback because I've had schools asking me about him. A lot, a lot of programs are interested. And I think that's going to happen with any of these front seven players the closer we get to the holidays, right? Really easy in May to be like, ah, uh, not big enough. And then you realize that the board has shrunk when it gets to crunch time and these guys become even more coveted. And I think Solomon is, is one of those individuals. The longer he holds out, uh, the more options are going to be in play for him. What do you think about that? like loose Dallas Turner type of comp. If I'm honest with you, I mean, what, what, are, what do we have height weight on, on Solomon Woods? He's a guy I'm still 6'3", 250 pounds. I, I don't think the body types are the ideal comparison there. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't know. He's one of those guys I see like more high floor, right? But I don't think he is um, – I don't think he is done progressing in terms of player development. Justice Finkley is kind of a guy that kind of comes to my mind when I when I turned him on. But I actually think that Solomon Williams got more pass rushing upside. You know, and I thought Finkley was pretty tapped out by the time that he was done in high school. So I like him. Uber productive player, too. I mean, I, I think the other thing about him is not everything is sexy, but I like his ability to play the run as well at 250 pounds. Can I give a yeah, go ahead. I was going to give a, a random uh, random nugget because, you know, I'm a guy in the Sunshine State. According to PFF, top two quarterback pressure leaders, number one, Ashton Gillette, number two, Dallas Turner, both South Florida boys. Got to give my shout out. Love that. <laughs> Do you know who Ashton Gillette is? Uh, I should, but I don't. Louisville, the end. Before the freaks list, he would have been on there. He used to train at one of my buddy's CrossFit gyms and then signs with Louisville out of Boca Raton. <laughs> Got the CrossFit shout out there. All right, Drew, three more. Let's start with the, the big tackle that has just seemingly come out of nowhere. 6'8", 290 pounds. Favor Edwin from McDonough, Eagles Landing, Christian in Georgia. Auburn, Alabama, Clemson, Florida. This dude's been playing football for one year. I turned on the tape this morning, and I'm like, how is that possible? And I get it, Drew. You, you're quick to remind me the competition's not great, and it isn't. But just in terms of, like, the pass set, the run set, the reactionary quickness, he seems a little bit more instinctual than you would think. He is not a lost puppy out there at all. Physical at the point of attack. Let's defenders get into his body a little bit. He's a little bit of a body catcher. What you would expect for a guy who's only been playing football for less than a year, but Drew, I mean, 6'8", 290 pounds. This guy moves really well. I think there's a lot to like here. I'm, I'm, this is, I've known about him for, 
45 minutes. <laughs> so I'm not going to jump the gun, but fascinating off of a first look. Well, he's going to be a riser for us in our update next week. And I'm sure a lot of people want to point, oh, he's the number 129th tackle. I mean, when we graded him, it was back in May, and there was nothing but drone footage of him in like an inter-squad scrimmage. He's a kid that came to the United States originally looking to play basketball. I mean, he is six foot six, three hundred pounds with a seven foot wingspan. Um, yeah, I he's he's one of those guys. But I feel like we've seen some of these big bodies in the past, and it's either they pan out or they they flame out hard. And uh, I would agree with your stance that the, the tape is certainly encouraging here. And I think Cooper in a world now where there are unlimited counters and you can flip your entire roster, it makes it much, much easier to sign this individual. I agree. I agree. All right. Two more. Amatre Bradford, another guy from Statesboro, the cousin of Cam Michael, right? Are they cousins? Who I didn't know that. I thought you had that in the article. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe Steve did. Maybe Steve did. I need to go. Back. I need to go back and look at that. But another guy, Drew, three-star, kind of mid-three-star range, number seventy-six edge in the country, Montre Bradford. His recruitment: Colorado in there, Georgia Tech, Indiana, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Vandy, Virginia Tech, all over the place. Steve kind of indicated in the article that Colorado is in a good spot here. He's one of those guys from a height, weight, speed standpoint. There's a lot to like, Drew. I know you kind of mentioned he's got 35 and a half plus inch arms. To me, when you turn on the tape, still figuring it out. But one of those guys, good athlete, got the specs. One of those dudes you just want to take a shot on. Yeah, I think the tape has gotten better as a senior, right? I was initially buzzing Cam Michael a few weeks ago, and it's like, whoa, who's this guy? I think he's wearing number three. Always love my edge players with the single digits. Um, <laughs> I, I had a Big Ten school put him on my radar back during the spring of Al period. Circled back with them. Hey, you guys still in it? No, this kid wants to go play in the SEC. Uh, so take that as a as a nugget, if if you would. Um, I again, I just think in the with three months to go. Right. And we just talked about the unlimited counters. Like there are not a lot of creatures walking around with what he could be. So should be a riser for us. Um, and someone that, I mean, the longer he holds out, the longer he waits, the more options he's going to have. Because don't forget, Cooper, coaching carousel, not that far away. Once that thing starts spinning, coaching staffs are going to want to hit the ground running hard. Um, and I think any smart DPP would have Bradford queued up in that, in that initial wave of guys to watch. A lot of Georgia, Florida flavor on here, huh, Drew? Just realizing that now. Um, last one, a guy that I really like. Help me out with the pronunciation. Is it Makai Boro? Is that right? Burrow. Burrow. I had to do, I had to do with CBS sports HQ hit and, was driving for an hour straight just saying Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> top of the mind, top of the mind. All right, number 89 DL from Creekside uh, High School in Georgia. I like this dude. Two-way snaps, right, over there at Creekside. Big boy, 6'5", 390 pounds, former Florida commit, like I mentioned, the Bulldogs. I mean, talk about fitting a profile, right, for Kirby Smart. This dude's got it written all over him. Another dude, file away. Like this guy. You like him? I think I, Mich I think I Michigan, do. Michigan has also been linked in there. I know in the story, Steve made it seem like a layup for the Bulldogs, but I mean he hasn't committed yet, and he's been back in Athens, I think, multiple times. I think he's a he's an anchor in the middle, a, a big boat anchor. I don't know if he's ever going to give you 60 snaps, but he's going to give you 20, and and he can certainly play a role in the conference, in the SEC, or, or or even the Big Ten. I mean, just hold up traffic. Biggest thing for him is just going to be getting that body right. I mean, he is one of the heaviest players we've come across. A few different times he's tipped the scales at at 390-plus. Someone you just got to get in the room and, and get the body right. 
a lot to like there. So nine names, what are we, Drew? 91, 92, 93% of the top 247 already committed, right? We're two and a half months until signing day, December 20th. That feels like it's fat, fastly approaching. The other thing, Drew, I don't know about you. Yesterday, my wife and I, we sat down. We put the all the postseason all-star events on the calendar. So we got Alabama, Mississippi, December 15th, right? Under Armour, I don't typically go to in Orlando. That's We save that for the director, right? And then All-American Bowl, San Antonio, one of our favorite weeks out of the year. That's January 6th. So it feels like before we know it, we're going to snap our fingers and all of that will be right here in front of us. But for the most part, I mean, here, here's a question that we get that I think I can anticipate at this point. What do you expect from a flip standpoint? I know every year I kind of play the under, and every year you kind of play it up a little bit, I feel like. Oh, I just mentioned the coaching carousel, right? Right. I I don't know. I I, I think we need to get Steve on here at, at some point soon, and, and maybe he can start, you know, tossing out some names to uh, to keep an eye on. Um, but they're going to happen. Right. And my, I, I just wonder, like, from a, you know, from a quantity standpoint, if we start keeping track of that year over year of like, all right, October and beyond, how many power five flips are we seeing? That'd be an interesting stat, stats and info. But outside of that, I think we're done. Producer Lance, what do we got, man? You've been silent all show. It's been your last show. You haven't said anything at all. Is there anything you want to leave us with? No, I think I said everything I needed to say at the beginning. I just wish you guys the best of luck. Uh, I've loved doing this podcast with you guys and before that with Blair too. And I'm excited to see it go to two days a week and see what comes with that. See it go to video, see what comes with that. See what comes with the network, the recruiting show. And like I said, I'll uh, while I won't be working here any longer, I still plan on being a big fan. You'll see me in the chat. So if you guys ever do viewer questions, I will uh, I will surely be asking some. And uh, I certainly won't be a stranger. You'll still hear from me after those Rutgers uh, after Rutgers land some Florida kids, Ivans, as well as uh, as well as uh, after some I'm, big wins for for RU too. I'm going to see three of them play tonight. Three Rutgers commits. So yeah, uh, who can, can you give me a sneak peek? Uh, the Ty Cool and Ty Clean and uh, nice. Rainer. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Um, all right, this is my last question for you, Lance. What sure. bowl game do you want Rutgers to end up in? I'm looking at some bowl projections right now, and wow, yeah, they're all they are all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Quick Lane Bowl, which is in Detroit. I've seen whatever the Vegas Bowl is, like the Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Vegas or something. I don't know what it's called. Um. They've been in the pinstripe bowl like three or four times, which makes sense because the Big Ten has like a connection with that. And I think the AAC did when they were in the AAC and so did the Big East. Um, I'd probably prefer the pinstripe bowl because if they went to the pinstripe bowl, I'd go because it's just, you know, 35, 40 minutes away from me at Yankee Stadium. If they went to Vegas or Detroit, I probably wouldn't go. Um, but honestly, I just want them to get to six wins. They have two big opportunities coming up. Got to take advantage of them, get to six wins, and wherever they get slotted in a bowl, they get slotted in a bowl. Don't rule out the Vegas Bowl. Same day as FAU basketball takes on Arizona out in the Sin City. Ooh. We can split a hotel room. There we go. We're going to carpool. We're going to carpool do the cross-country <laughs> ride to Vegas. You'll come up to New Jersey, pick me up. We'll go across country to Vegas. We'll take an FAU, Arizona, Rutgers. <laughs> I saw them playing TCU or Utah in a bowl, which would be fun. And we'll hitchhike our way back. Vegas Bowl is dangerous. You got to be careful there. Hey, Lance, why don't, why don't you uh, plug the show and take us out one last time? <laughs> All right. Well, you have been listening to the Football Recruiting Podcast with Cooper Tagna and Drivens. Remember – if you want your questions answered on a mailbag, whenever that mailbag comes, if there are any more mailbags, who knows? I guess that's TBD. Make sure to leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcast. If someone posts on the Twitter account asking for mailbag questions, you can leave them there too. Certainly won't be me moving forward, but hey, if someone does, make sure to post them there as well. Uh, so for Cooper Protagna and for Andrew Ivins, 
I'm signing off for the final time as producer Lance Glenn. Thanks for listening to the Football Recruiting Podcast. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.